Injured at work in a motor vehicle accident or had a fall in a public space? Speak to Your Claim Lawyers, a no-win, no-fee, personal injury claims law firm that specialises in maximising compensation claims for injured people. Call 1-800-YOUR-CLAIM or yourclaimlawyers.com.au Welcome to Crunch Time for Red Rooster. Seize the cheese. Try the new triple cheeseburger today. Limited time, so getting fast. The Rooster's calling. And for the new Navara at Werribee, Western and Footscray Nissan. Kick goes to Hartford. Here's Dustin Martin. Remember him? He brushes two aside and curls through a goal. And Ken Hinkley walks out of the coach's box to swear where no one can see him. Cleary, hand pass, cool bounce for Dersma, muscling in with Cochin, got to Lynch, plays it back to Baker. It's up, way up into the night sky, Alir back with a flight. Arts kept his footing and kicks a goal. Smart by Arts. Burton, he's caught, somehow got it back to Drew, who spirals one inside 50 for the pocket, Robbie Gray. Takes a miracle mark. So Richmond lead by two points as it stands right now. Gray from 45 metres out, 45 degree angle, he's got it. And Port players come from everywhere. Through to half forward, six seconds left. High bomb, off hands, four seconds, three seconds. This crowd's going to go crazy. Port Adelaide win. They've beaten the reigning Premier 79 to 77. Port Adelaide and Richmond games are just great games. Both teams fight really tough. Both teams are desperate to win and both teams play to the end. And I think that was a remarkable performance by us by the end of it. To, I think we had six, maybe, six blokes who were coughing a bit here and there, whether they'd be corking, whether they'd be sore knees, whether they'd be um, ankles. You know, there was there was a fair bit going on out there in the in the um, in the carnage. Yeah, once again, always against Port Adelaide, we had some great tussles, and you know, I thought it was another outstanding game of footy that we both played against each other. And there was always going to be a, a sorry loser, and that's us tonight. But you know, I thought Port were terrific. It was an early season moment of truth for Port Adelaide. They stood toe to toe with the champ and delivered. Ollie Wines to join us. McInerney comes in a rush, breaks the tackle, wobbles one. Where are you, buddy? There he is! <laughs> he juggles the mark at the front. He's threatened to do that for a while, and all Ben Rudden can do is throw down the quad pen and sit back and watch. He's 35 metres out. It's straight. And Sydney's lead is nine points. And they can't get enough of Buddy Franklin. Four from four to start the season. The Swans haven't been here since 2012. Still early in the season, but there might be a serious contender. Few saw coming for this year's flag. You know, them being away from home and being able to galvanise and it was a really commendable and um, inspirational victory that they had last week. So I imagine they're... Uh, you know, they're pretty buoyed by that, and they'll go in with a head of steam. Geelong and Collingwood are two very, very good teams, very hard to beat at home, and uh, you know, we managed to secure one victory, and you know, we've got a big challenge tomorrow because the, the Western Bulldogs are in mighty good form. They've had some impressive wins to start the year. It's a classic Ballarat day to kick off a weekend full of compelling matchups. There's loads to look forward to. This is Crunch Time.
G'day everybody, welcome to Mars Stadium where I am on a just a picture perfect Ballarat day, rain sweeping in from the <laughs> southwest, visibility down to about 250 metres, the prospect of more to come, it says it's 14 degrees on the bomb, feels like 5 I can tell you, it feels like two and a half. Uh, But we've got a really good game of footy to look forward to here. Loads to talk about after a thrilling Thursday and Friday to kick off round four. There's so much to unpack and who better to do it with on a Saturday morning into a Saturday afternoon than the team here on Crunch Time. Andy Mar filling in for Jared Waitley, Justin Lepich. You're supposed to be here, Lepper. Didn't you get the memo? Oh, gee, I just saw the weather forecast and thought, nah, I'm going to stay <laughs> oh, here with Nicky Dell and Sammy soft. and have a nice little warm one. But uh, <laughs> it would be nice. Actually, imagine Nick doing the boundary riding today. That'd be good for you, wouldn't it? Not my style. Good afternoon or good Hello, morning to everybody. Hello, mate. How are you? Del Santo. How are you, mate? Thinking of, I'm very well. I'm actually a little bit hot in this studio. I'm just going to try oh, and take it. off the jacket. Um, a couple of great games to dissect, Andy, and it was a lovely intro thinking about over Thursday night and Friday night. We've got some beauties coming up, and you are probably not as comfortable as you've ever been right now, given the conditions, <laughs> but you're about to watch a brewing game of football, I think. Oh, I think we are too, Del, and it's a bit of a – I mean, it's not a pity. The Ballarat locals, this is this is nothing for them. The, the ground staff are out in the middle of the ground in shorts, and they don't even feel this sort of stuff. It's the city slickers that got an issue with it. They'll turn up today, and they'll pack the terrace on the outer side of the ground here, and we will get – a fantastic game of footy on a perfectly produced Mars Stadium ground. It is absolutely in magnificent condition. Sam Edmund um, joins us as he always does. Gee, there's a bit to talk about out of last night, Sam. And uh, as referenced by Ken Hinckley in, in the opening packages we had, they were literally the walking wounded last night. And they had to dig pretty deep. Port Adelaide, there might be a bit of a toll out of this one. No, absolutely, Andrew. Good morning to you. And just keep the mittens warm. Although I, I do <laughs> hope you do get the rig out Alistair Clarkson style. A couple laps of Mars <laughs> up. Be, post won't be, no, post won't be Soren. But yeah, they're kids who have been so impressive. And Zach Butters has gone on another level again, hasn't he, this year with more midfield time. Concerns over that nasty sort of ankle mechanism that got caught under him in a tackle. And also Xavier Dersma. That was a strange one yeah. as well. So... The rest of them, Corkies, and some interesting comments, which we might get to a little bit later uh, from the coach, Ken Hinkley, about how he views the appropriate use of the medical sub as well off the back of this, because up to half a dozen guys, as you say, walking wounded, they were hanging on for grim death at the end, but they did so. Well, you just introduced those um, audio grabs when you, when you feel the need to do back at your end. Um, Leper and Dell, t- take us inside that game last night in particular, and um, the fact that it, at a couple of occasions, even though there was never really much in it at any stage, I, I felt like, and I wonder whether you agree, uh, that, that Richmond um, threatened to gain the upper hand to a significant degree, particularly with the injuries that Port was contending with. Port Adelaide's capacity to get over the line and win that last night, h- how significant do you think that might be? Well, it's obviously huge because you get the four points and that's the most important thing. It's a game that either team... Could have won, but I was just intrigued the way they played it. Almost a very similar style at times, and and the fact that Port almost embraced the chaotic nature of the way Richmond liked to play. Richmond did what they always did, a chaotic game. They kicked long down the line when they needed to do, but Port was almost playing a very similar style where they were very messy at times too, making mistakes, and then also very predictable in a lot of their ball movement. And then at the odd time, they switched the ball and they looked pretty good. So both teams almost playing a very similar style in which Port... Came out winners. Well, I think Port out Richmond Richmond last night. And mm. you speak about that chaotic chaotic style. And Lepo, I'm sure you're right across this. And I actually watched 
I think it was on the AFL website. It was a, a four-part, so they did it quarter by quarter from last year's prelim. So it was part of the game, but it also had, uh, took you inside the coach's box. And I found it really, really intriguing. But knowing that Damien Harwick, and going back to last year's prelim, wanted that chaotic style just to get it forward, just sort of make it up as you went. And I watched last night's game closely, and I thought Port were as good in that particular space in not ideal football, not perfect football, but just made something of it anyway. And I just... I was really proud from the outside looking at Port by the way that they closed out that game because as much as I think you look at the numbers, they should have won probably comfortably. Mm. Richmond have this incredible ability to hang in games. And with four minutes to go, I thought, Richmond's game. They are the best in this position to be able to close out a game and know what to do in those moments. Port got the job done. I just thought it was a massive step forward for them in confidence and belief knowing that they can do it against the Premiers. Yeah, and I think the um, the subtle differences in the game were probably two part. I thought Richmond were a little bit better with their back half ball movement they've been, and they scored from their D50, so they'll be happy with that. But the one area I thought where Port dominated was the centre clearance part of the game. They won that comfortably 14-11, but 13 of their 14 went inside 50, where only six of Richmond's 11 went inside their 50. So when you look at the raw numbers of that, it's really 13-6, because mm. there's no point winning a centre clearance if it goes 30 metres sideways. So I thought Port got territory out of their centre bounce, centre square, and then locked it in. And then they scored from their uh, front half of the game. They got seven shots from their forward 50. So one centre clearance, got it in, wrestle, 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 scrap, scrap, win it back again and have a shot. So I thought they did that a little bit better um, based off their centre square bounce work. And that was the one difference, Andy, from the prelim. There were a lot of similarities with the prelim last night, but last year's prelim, 11-4 centre clearance to Richmond last mm. year. So mm. looking forward to chatting to Ollie Wines. I wonder how much of a focus that was to reverse that. Well, Travis Boat continues to be a... He's not a revelation because we, we, we know. We know what he is and we know what he does and he's been a top-shelf performer for a long time. But but he was he was having a party last night. I mean, he was getting clean ball, whether it was direct stuff coming from Scotty Lysette or not. But there were periods of that game, um, particularly in the middle of the ground from restarts, where Boak was just absolutely dominant. He he is in – for a bloke who's in the veteran stage of his career, he's in mm. career best form. He's a fine wine, isn't he, Andy? I mean, yeah. he had 29 disposals last night. And I, I guess those that know Port and know Travis Boak, and we hear the stories from the outside – I guess it's no surprise that he still performs like he does. They say no one prepares and no one trains harder than he does. They go back to last season, yep. last preseason. He was overseas in America and Charlie Dixon was with him. And the word coming out of Charlie Dixon is he's going to have a brilliant year because he's been with Travis Boak for that period of time that they just knew that that would rub off on Big Chuck. I love him. I love him, Andy. I love the way he goes about it. I love the way that he runs with no guarantee of ever getting the footy. But then you throw in a little bit of getting the footy as well as not not as a bonus but just as a you know just the cream on top he uses it well he, he makes great decisions going forward I think he's complimenting if not leading the way for this younger group which we will get to just to go about their business and play their natural game because they know they've got the reliability of Boke at the top of the tree yeah and he, he led that contested ball part of the game too all Port's mids did actually and it's probably the one concern for Richmond coming out of a Trent Koch and Led the game in 18 contested possessions, but then there was a big gap to Shea Bolton with nine, and then it's all Port Adelaide through the middle. Burton, Wines, Boak, Butters, all amassing around 15 themselves. So that's that was sort of the gap in the game. The clearances, the contested possession. Trent was a bit of a standalone in that for Richmond, but yeah, Port's mids really got to work in is, that. Is there a concern? This is to all three. Is there a concern with the stoppage work? We go back to the prelim a couple of years ago. The Pies got on top in that area and scored from it. Is that a priority? To- priority to them, the Tigers, or 
just see what happens and they'll work it out in a different way? Not usually. Um, Richmond's usually a turnover-based team, but I know when you go to grounds like the Adelaide Oval, you do have a bit more of a reliance on stoppage. And I know we we just quickly touched on the prelim where Richmond won the stoppage battle, won the game. Mm. This game last year when Port Adelaide smashed uh, Richmond... Throughout the year, they smashed the centre clearances. I think it was like 24-10 that particular game. So it has a real correlation on this ground. If you can get centre square bounce territory, that's you can pin them away a little bit because it's such a thin ground. It what, makes it yeah, harder. What, explain why this ground opposed to others. So I would have thought GMHBA Stadium, really small ground, SCG, really small ground, that a centre clearance puts you 20, 30 metres out from goal. That's significant. Why Adelaide Oval? It's probably the shape because it's thinner. It's almost a, the pockets. There's no real pockets. You'll see no teams now don't want to, particularly from kick-ins, kick the ball to the pocket, and they probably don't want to at Geelong either um, at that stadium because that's you just end up so far away and there's no width to the ground to move. So if you kick to the pocket and then want to go long down the line, you're almost kicking it out on the full and mm. you're kicking to not much. So most teams now will just go, well, we'll just – we've seen it last night. Port do it. Richmond did it from kick-ins, run in, kick to the point of the square. It's a little bit more central. We've got space around the contest to work in. So, yeah, and, and often the gram will dictate, too, some of your tactics. Hey, Andy, the Damien Hardwick press conference, really yeah, interesting last yeah. night. Now, he actually, yeah. as you're about to hear, he said the game in the opening rounds will be different to what it will be like at the end. So we're all wondering what the game's going to look like. Is it here to stay what we're seeing at the moment? Now, he suggested the game styles of sides playing a kick mark game might not be sustainable. So he's talking about the Swans there. So even though Richmond lost again, you just he was more at peace with the game last night, wasn't he? Let's have a listen to Damien Hardwick, a bit of his press conference last night. No, I don't think the, the, the game's changed. I think the game always looks different at the start of the year compared to the middle, compared to the back end. You know, when it's whether, you know, the game styles are sustainable for some sides that are playing a, a kick kick mark sort of sort of game. You know, it challenged us last week, there's no doubt. You know, the Swans are outstanding. Um, I love the way the game was played tonight. You know, I thought it was a great contest. Uh, the ball was moving quickly. You know, we're prepared to kick the one-on-ones deep. Um, I thought it was a great game of footy. I think that, you know, the people at home and our fans would walk away thinking, you know, good effort, didn't quite get the chocolates tonight. So, Leppel, would last week have unsettled Damien more than last night? Same result on paper, of course, almost. But you got the impression that the Swans game and the manner of that defeat might have sat with him for a bit? Yeah, I think, Damien, look back and know if we gave slightly a better defensive effort, um, we might have got a different result against Sydney. Um, because Richmond innately are better at not allowing the, the taking out the short part of the game, the defensively part, which is what Essendon did brilliantly. Mm. You know, they went to school on what Richmond did. They, I thought they did that really well, and they turned Sydney over a few times in their front half of their ground and scored. So that's what Damien's saying. Teams will go to school on opposition and then go, oh, right, we've find, found that thing. So what Damien's saying, if you had a game plan that it takes three, four, five weeks and someone then works it out, well, what's your plan B after that? Because you need to often have two or three ways to win um, any particular game. So, uh, And I think Richmond are comfortable. They've got the speed game. They've got the long down the line game. And they've also got that probe game if they really need to go to it. Are Richmond trying to find this year, as they have in previous years, what their best football looks like for that moment and then continue that for, say, the back half of the year? By the mid-year, do they want to know who they are offensively and defensively, or can they still evolve even from that point on? I think Richmond know what they are offensively and defensively, but every week they'll get a different focus and they'll know more. This is where Sydney, new new style, sometimes you're a bit unsure and they've changed the way they've played. So next time you play Sydney, it's like, right, what hurt us last time? Mm. They took a hip uncontested marks. We didn't take out any of that, the defensive work in that 30-metre area. We might even play in front of our opposition in that part of the ground and we'll play behind our opposition on the, on the deep part of the ground. Do you also prepare 
for the opposition to do something different. So when you're previewing a game and the opposition, you're working out what they did to you last time. Are you? Do you have any guarantee that the opposition are going to do what they did to you last time, or are you expecting them to tweak theirs so as can, well? You know, it's they almost, counteract the counteract. Yeah, it's almost a reverse double jeopardy. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know what I'm trying to say? Like they're not going to do the exact same thing. Are you allowing for a little bit of a deviation as well from them? One thing that I mean, every club's got opposition coaches that look, you know, at, at what the team's done throughout the season, so they'll know exactly what teams can and can't do. When you're trying something brand new at halftime of a game, that's just dangerous. And if a team wants to try that. I think all good to them. If you if you haven't we haven't seen it at any stage throughout the year and it's half time and you just flip the magnets. Normally that means you're in trouble. Sometimes that means you can surprise the opposition and win, but more often than not that doesn't work. So teams don't t- tend to prepare for something that they haven't seen. We're going to get to a break in a moment. Um, Ollie Wan's going to join us next. Can I just one thing before we get away from? Was this Richmond team last night? Was this as gettable from a from a personnel perspective a Richmond team as you've seen for? A little while? Yeah, I would have thought so. I mean, just with yep. the debutants they had. And that's why I was almost surprised a little bit that Josh Caddy didn't play because, mm. you know, they, they lacked Camden McIntosh as that wing experience. And then Caddy didn't play, who's got that wing experience. And they had young a young player playing that uh, in Mansell for a, a big portion of the night as well. And I thought a couple of times they, got, they, they sort of lost that fat side of the ground a few times. So that was about the only thing I was surprised as far as their selection goes. But... Um, yeah, yeah, it, it, you're right. Whenever you play kids in that part of the ground, the more you play, the less experience you get, the harder it is for you to win. The more we're hearing, you want to play the Tigers earlier on in the year. You know, you <laughs> yes, might be a 50% yeah. more chance of getting the job done Tigers early days before they work out exactly how to get the job done. And, and just, on, just on that, Del, sorry, Lepa, they want to play more of last night's version of footy than the week before, don't they, Richmond? They don't want teams dishing up against them what Sydney threw at them last week. Yeah, that will frustrate. Well, in a lot of ways, Richmond wouldn't mind that game if they were able to get their front-half turnover. Like, if they were able to stop those uncontested marks, turn one or two of those over and then put the question back on the Swans, then they wouldn't mind defending that sort of game because it actually makes it easy to defend. But if, yeah, if you, if they are hitting those short kicks, Andy, and making the defenders mm-hmm. run from side yep. to side to side and fatiguing them up as we saw the Swans did and just really cut through um, Richmond defensively. We'll come back to the Port Richmond game, of course, and we'll dissect Thursday night's Essendon Sydney Classic as well. Ollie winds up after this break. It's great to have your company. You're listening to Crunch Time for the new Navara Werribee, Western and Footscray Nissan. Crunch time for Red Rooster. Try the new triple cheeseburger, the Rooster's Calling. And for the new Navara at Werribee Western and Footscray Nissan. Welcome back to the show. I'm down here at Mars Stadium where we're looking forward to the Western Bulldogs taking on the Brisbane Lions later on this afternoon. But before that, we've got a heap more to talk about from last night and a couple of games in the round thus far. And a Port Adelaide midfielder who's putting together another outstanding season. It's pretty much what he's been doing routinely since he... Joined the competition. He was in the middle of it all again last night. He's been good enough to join us. Ollie Wines uh, joins us on Crunch Time. Mate, thanks for joining us. Thanks, Andy. Cheers, mate. Well played last night. Um, it, it was obviously a game that took its toll on a few of your teammates physically last night. Please tell us that you've pulled up okay. Yeah, no, I'm actually um, I'm all good. So uh, we were the walking wounded at, at times there. I think that the docs had about six opportunities to pull the, the medical sub, but um, thankfully we were able to sort of show a bit of resilience in that last quarter and wrestle our way over the line, and um, the boys will be assessed today, but uh, hopefully it's not too serious. Ollie, Justin Lepich here, mate. I thought it was a, a great win. Well done. Um, and as you mentioned, the resilience of your group to, to win, you had corkies everywhere, you had guys roll ankles <laughs> at, 
it looked real carnage um, watching it from the screen. But I just want to touch on your centre square bounce dominance. The last three games you've played against Richmond, the centre square's really been an issue in the game. Is it something you spoke about and trained a bit more in depth leading into this game? Yeah, it certainly was. Um, particularly after last week where we were dominated against a, a really good West Coast uh, team in, in the centre bounces. I think the game these days shows how important centre bounce wins are. Um, getting first look at that ball coming forward and, and, and getting good looks at um, centre bounces is really important. And um, oh, There's a few stats around us where, where we, we win only um, so amount of times that we lose centre bounce. So it was a big focus. Uh, we did a lot of work throughout the week and I think we executed it well. Ollie, just focusing on those clearances, which you won 36-24 around the ground, but whether it be around the ground or the centre square bounce, how much work do you actually do post that win to actually get the best result out of it? Is it just a surge mentality as we like to speak about or do you almost have option A, B and C about where you ultimately want to get the football to to be able to score? Yeah, we do have a few options. Ideally, we sort of want to we want to handball out and um, handball out the back of the stoppage to get our backs involved. Those guys are sort of pretty damaging with their legs. Um, uh, but it is a tough game, particularly against Richmond, whose pressure is so good. So it almost comes back to a bit of a surge mentality, just getting the ball forward in that situation. Um, us as a team, we rely on having the ball locked in our front half and for us mids to, to give us every opportunity do that sometimes we've just got to force it forward and sometimes it'll go out on the full or we'll kick it to them but um, more often than not we we back our forward to give us good contest and just focusing on those clearances again how much are you aware at any particular time within a game how you are tracking it whether you're dominating whether Ruckman's getting his hands to it whether you're under pressure or you can actually get better results once again going forward is it really difficult to assess that in the moment a little bit when you're on the ground, more so when you come on the bench, you've got um, coaches and guys sitting at the bench sort of filling you in and um, filling in sort of what's the current structure going on. Um, generally, you, you sort of have a feel for it when you're not going too well um, and getting sort of smacked around in there where, where if you're going well, you sort of you don't tend to know, I guess, you're in the groove of the game. But um, I think we were able to sort of dominate around there last night and uh, that was sort of something that, that led to the win. Ollie, it's Sam Edmund here. Thanks for your time this morning. Congratulations for last night. There's plenty to talk about what was a fantastic game, but I just can't wait to ask you about the flying mullet, Lockie Jones. I mean, <laughs> a Port fan, Debu's on his 19th birthday. I mean, is it possible, Ollie, to have a cult hero after one game? Oh, it certainly is. Um, look, and he fits the Port Adelaide mould to a T. He's hard, he's tough. Um, he's got the mullet, obviously, the mullet 19. Um, he was super on his debut on his 19th birthday. Um, he's probably a bit unlucky not to play round one and two and three. Um, he's sort of... Miles Bergman got the opportunity ahead of him, but um, he's, he's in for a long career. I think he's a very talented player, and as I said, he fits the Port Adelaide mould, and... Um, if that leads to him being a cult hero, uh, I'm sure he'll, he'll love that. And let's not there's forget no, the moustache as well. Like, oh, I mean, hey, we speak about mullet. Yes, Del, there's Del, there's no way he's 19. No. <laughs> he's got a bit of the... He's 27 he's got already. A bit of the brink, he's got a bit of the brink of errors about him, doesn't he? Oh, come he, on. He's a man child. What's, <laughs> what's his best position, Ollie? Where, where does he ultimately play and how does he fit into your team regularly? I think he's, uh, he's, he's definitely half-back. Um, there's not too many guys I've seen as tough as Tommy Jonas, but some of the things he's done throughout pre-season has, has blown us around away and, uh, and shown comparisons to him. So I think he's going to be a half-back. He's, he's incredibly quick. He's athletic. He's, 
he's a real jumper. He doesn't necessarily wrestle as, as a defender. He'll jump and, and impact and come off as a third man. So um, I think he, he'll be suited to the yeah, halfback. Hey, Ollie, we're having a bit of a discussion before about the ground itself, your home ground, and mm. um, how to play that particular ground. We're intrigued watching, obviously, from kickings, you, you really target that point of the square and have done for a while now. And then some. at times also you'll shift the ball from sort of halfback. It's just really interesting, uh, the pockets of the ground. Is it just a set thing that you do? You, you want to avoid the pockets of the ground and, and maybe kick that ball centrally from deeper? Yeah, it's just a little bit of our game style. And um, obviously it, we play majority of our games at Adelaide Oval and I, I think it's built around that. Um, we sort of struggled last week on the bigger ground defending West Coast who are able to sort of keep the ball off us and um, use the width of the ground, whereas Adelaide Oval being a bit skinnier, we like to sort of go the short way to goal um, down the middle and try to surge the ball. Very similar, I guess, to a little bit how Richmond play. Um, so it just, I guess it suits us and um, we really want to make it a fortress for us, Adelaide Oval, and um, why not make the game style suit it? Ollie, watching the game last last night, there were so many similarities to the prelim from last year. You know, the style of game, obviously the opposition, and how you both were going about it. How pleased are you with the way that you finished off probably the last four or five minutes in how that compared to what you did last year? Yeah, no, it was massive uh, growth, I think, uh, just to show that maturity in our group. Um, it, it probably all comes from the defenders who get first crack at sort of dictating the ball movement that we do go to when when we're up and, and the game's on the line. So to be able to ex- execute that sort of time versus territory, taking time off the clock or, or taking territory down the ga- ground was really important. And um, our execution down the line to, to get a couple of marks and force a couple of stoppages was, was good. And um, it's just another uh, step in the right direction. I think, as I said, showing that maturity of our group. We've still got a really young group, uh, a young core. So the more opportunities in big games like that, in, in big pressure situations is, is going to be good for us. And Ollie, just on two of those more exciting next generation players that you got there, Zach Butters, who, um, geez, he really catches the eye, was brilliant last night, and Xavier Dersma, who makes things happen as well. Do you have a line of sight on their injuries? Zach Butters, obviously, with the ankle and, and Xavier with the knee. I know it's early, but just what the general feel is around the club? Yeah, I think, uh, I think, uh, touch wood, but I think uh, X, from more reports, maybe um, avoided an ACL, so I think he'll get scanned today. Um, I think Butts will be fine. He he likes to sort of have a bit of look at me time. Get the ice machine on the ankle this week. And, um, he'll be right. He's tough as nails. So um, both those guys were pivotal in the wind, and sad to see him go down late. But um, yeah, they were very pivotal. Yeah, Ollie, the one game within the game that I really loved and the strategy behind it were the two Rark, Slyset and Nankervis. And one thing that we saw last week with Tom Hickey working off Nankervis when he went back to that 20 metres out from goal. And you saw Lysette a few times take marks sort of just inside 50. Was that obviously a conscious plan to go in to try and expose that strategy of Richmond and getting Nankervis deep to help out the defence? Yeah, it was. Um, I think you've got to sort of... Um tempt them out and he's such an intercept a good intercept mark I think he he would have taken five or six throughout the night so to be able to sort of draw him away and let Dicko have a, a bit of a fly at it he's usually flying against two or three um, so just to try draw one out of there is better and um, scoots a, a decent mark and decent set shot so um, to have him and for us to know that he's there to kick it to uh, is, a, is another step in the right direction and I think that can um, get us a few goals throughout the year. 
Now, Ollie, as good as the side you and the side were for the majority of the game, there was obviously that sense that you were hanging on for obvious personnel reasons at the end. Were there any nerves from you at all when you saw Robbie Gray handball the ball through from the, from the goal square late on? Um, not really. I think we're pretty um, black and white with that rule. We know sort of the um, circumstances that you're allowed to do it. So um, it was just, I guess, good that he got back there and the boys outnumbered and, and got over line. But... Um, I think that rule's pretty black and white, so uh, we were we were comfortable. Ollie, you sick of Robbie Gray kicking the winners? <laughs> <laughs> nah, he can do it all he wants as long as as long as they go through and and we win games. It's you've got a bit of a clutch gene, Robbie, and um, we couldn't really kick a goal, particularly in that second quarter. So to see him come through in that huge moment is is super. And um, he's he's about thirty two or thirty three, but he just keeps doing it. So um, very happy to see him keep kicking them. Ollie Wine's good enough to join us here on Crunch Time. We'll let you go in a minute, mate, but just can you tell us about the impact that Alir Alir has had since he's joined the group? Yeah, no, he's been super. He's um, obviously watching him play. You know what type of player he is. He's that, that intercept, um, intercepting back, which uh, we probably have lacked a little bit in the past. We've got defenders who are so good at grounding their opponent and taking care of their opponent and Alir I guess adds that extra string to our bow down there he's, he comes off his opponent he reads the play so well and he takes intercept marks and just to see some of his efforts down there um, throughout the game was, was special he's fit into our group like a glove and um, he's helping us go in the right direction so um, it's a great start for you for him and he'll grow on that and statistically, your you know your season's profiling is a really good one early in, into the year. We we didn't really know quite what to expect with, you know, stand and seventy five and and the cumulative effect of the way the game's been evolving in recent years. How are you? Are you detecting a real difference in the way the game's flowing? Um, you know, siren to siren. I think so. Yeah, um, particularly last night, I guess two teams that like to play really quick and exciting football and probably take advantage of that rule. So I think the thing we're sensing is you're running a lot throughout a game. Um, there was a decrease in stoppages definitely last night. So I yeah. think it's a lot more free-flowing and um, you've got to be able to do it both. You've got to be able to win the footy on the inside, but then when it gets to the outside, you've got to be able to run and um, you see Richmond do that so well and they're able to get a number of goals from that and um, if you, you're not able to run and move the footy quick, I think you're going you're gonna to struggle. Just take it easy on the Blue Boys next week, all right, if you wouldn't mind. <laughs> oh, yeah. Ollie, well, just take it easy on the... So, um... <laughs> <You're right>. <laughs> <laughs> hey, mate, well played last night. Thanks for joining us on the show today. Good on you. Thanks, guys. Ollie Wines. Hey, that was one of the notes that I... Just watching the game last night, you three, and he, I was interested to hear him reference that. In a game where it was tight in terms of the amount of time players had with ball in hand. Um, the lack of stoppage and the constant movement of the footy last night, it, it was noticeable last night, even in a game where it wasn't out wide, open, expansive footy, the ball just kept pinging around all over the place. It was, um, it is one of the features, you know, we'll speak to Steve Hocking a bit later on when he joins us, but it is, it does seem to be one of the features of the game early in 2021. Yeah, and both these teams are the lowest two teams in the competition for stoppages. So generally their yeah, own right. game styles don't 
you know, they don't want to go to stoppage. They want to keep the ball alive. And your point's a good one because even at that skinny oval, it's easy to get the ball out of bounds. Yes, mm. it's easy to kick it out in the full there too at that ground. But it's even such a skinny ground to have lower stoppages in such a dynamic game. It was great to watch. I thought there was two factors last night. I thought the ball, when it could have been a stoppage, the ball bobbled out. Someone mm. would go in and just wrench it out to allow the play to carry on. And the other thing that I think both teams do really well, Ollie Wines is exceptional at it. We know Dusty does it. They, they elude a tackle. They break a tackle. They get a little squibby handball out or they break clear. Mm. I think when you add that all together, therefore there's actually less stoppages as a whole. I just thought it was significant last night, the amount of people that were touched and still able to break into space or get that handball away. Sam, is there any – I know we're waiting confirmation or, or clarification on some of these Port Adelaide injuries, but is there any that are – which is the one that is of most concern, do you think? Oh, I would have thought the Xavier Dersman, yeah. Dersman one yeah. is of most concern, given they were confident – Ken Inkley was confident without understandably wanting to go right over the line to guarantee he hadn't done the ACL. So the scans today, and as you heard from uh, Ollie Wines there, it doesn't sound as though uh, Zach Butters, thankfully, his ankle injury is too serious, so he might have yeah, avoided well, calling the- to Ollie Wines, it was no injury at all. <laughs> dread no, 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 whatsoever. <laughs> and and Rose, Rosie was just corky. Both corkies. Yep. So Rosemar and Clurie, that was a bad corky, though, yeah, wasn't the it? The problem with corkies, and we've joked about this before, no one cares about corkies. You get no sympathy for a corky. It's just play <laughs> on. Suck it up I'll and keep going. What, he had a bad corky. He's limping around all game, and then he saw had the ball in his hands <laughs> yes. and saw the goals, <laughs> and he ran past Dylan Grimes at about 300 <laughs> oh. kilometres an hour, and then started limping again yes. after he kicked the goal. Yeah, it's, amazing effort, much, oh, it's amazing how much... Gutsy effort. It's amazing how much better you feel when you're in the when you're going to hit the ball. Is the Fantasia one a little bit of a concern? It seemed to go on him two or three times last night. So, so he's obviously pl- he's, it looks like he's taken that into the game. That that would be my gut feel. And this is something that he's in there. And mm. if the wrong mechanism occurs to him during the game, then it's going to flare up. He seemed to be able to get over it quickly enough. But is that of some sort of management concern? I love sitting here being the doctor. I know, I know. I know. Last night we had ACLs, we had broken legs, broken ankles. Well, my well, my diagnosis. It's either syndesmosis, which is eight weeks, or jab it up and keep going. (laughs) The the one thing we are having a bit of fun with this because it also happens when I'm covering on the boundary line. You see someone come off, you go from this angle. I reckon it's this. You've got no idea. But in all honesty, if the Fantasia one is true, Andy, and this is what all doctors and clubs are doing. If they are to put you out there, they're obviously thinking or clearly thinking that they can't do any more damage to whatever that part of the body yeah, that it is. Yeah, of course. Yep, so yep. I, I think that's if you're rolling them out, they've got to be good to go. If they get a tweak within a game and then get put back on the ground, they're obviously being assessed, well, keep going, put up with the pain, and we'll deal with it come Monday. Yep, yep. Hey, Sam, just before you get to the break, uh, or before you get to the break, did, did Ollie Wine say he's still a Carlton supporter or did he say he was a Carlton supporter? I did, missed that. I was just you're chuckling yeah, oh, over the top. I couldn't quite oh. hear. I thought he said yeah, he wants to play for Carlton. How many inside midfielders does your club want, Andy? He might have said that well, too. Well, we, we know he wanted to play for Carlton, but <laughs> going back in a not too distant future. <laughs> past, rather, but we'll let that go now. We need yeah. to get to a break, as you say, Andy, and it's great to have your company here on Crunch Time. All thanks to the Werribee, Western and Footscray Nissan dealerships. You can test drive the new Nissan Navara today and... We're powered by Red Rooster here, of course. Seize the cheese. Try the new triple cheeseburger today. Limited time, so get in fast. The Rooster's calling. Welcome back to the show. Obviously, we need to get to Thursday night at some stage and have a chat about that classic, another one of those classics that we've seen in recent years between Sydney and Essendon. Look forward to what is to come. A huge day, obviously, for St Kilda. It's a 
a day of reckoning, you think, for the Saints. We'll get to that a little bit later on. Still a couple of things, fellas, to tidy up with from last night. I know you've got a couple of bits of audio you want to throw to uh, Sam and have a chat about those. Yeah, Damien Harwick, before we leave his press conference last night, Andy, we spoke with Ollie about the Robbie Gray rush behind. Well, most of us think it's it's black and white and we had clarity on the rule and he was under some pressure in the goal square. But just have a listen to Damien Hardwick post-match when he was asked about it. Oh, not, not really. Um, end of the day, I could delve into that, but I don't, I don't think there's any point. Like, I think overall there's a million decisions that happen throughout the course of the game that you can go one way or the other. Um, you know, that one for me, look, that is what it is. Quick straw poll. Jeez, he bit his tongue there, didn't he? <laughs> sure quick straw poll. You can see the media manager in the background there. Nicky's just like, no, that's it. That's enough. That's enough. Well, quick straw poll, Andy. Were you happy with that? Yeah, I was. I thought he was in the right area of the ground and under pressure and no problems. Lepper? I think it's a correct decision, but I didn't like the ruling on it, if that makes any sense. I prefer... I don't like the handball through. Right. Didn't look good. Completely agree with Lepper. Don't like the look of it, but, but by definition had every right to do mm. it. He was under So what do you want him to do? Throw yeah. it through or kick it through? Well, everyone else is throwing it, Andy, so he may as well join in. No, no, I, I, I'm with Lepper. I just think the, the look of handballing the ball. So you're allowed to handball under pressure within the nine metres from the goal line. So let's say yeah. he was seven, seven and a half. Under the rules, has every right to do that. Is He's under pressure and therefore can rush one behind. I think he has other options, is all I'm saying. So was it deliberate? Absolutely it was, but he was allowed to do it. So I have no concern with that. Ken Hinckley spoke as well, of course, last night first up, Andy, given uh, he was the coach of the successful, the winning team. Now, a lot of the naysayers had the medical sub causing the sky to fall in and teams were going to manipulate it. I think we have to say on the evidence of the games we've seen that hasn't happened. And not only that, this was Ken Hinckley's philosophy on the medical sub and the integrity that he wants to uphold with the medical sub in the face of so many injuries last night. Like, I'll be honest, I don't want to abuse the medical sub. So people who've got corkies, they're part of the game, you know. And it was easy to do it, but who knows, in a tough physical game, it may have been one that you just can't put back out there that you have to hang on to. And, you know, uh, Cleary, Rosie, you know, those blokes with corkies who are really bad corkies, and you, but you just want to make sure you do the right thing by the game and you know it might come late and it's for concussion most of the time and I'd like to leave it like that if we can. Which I thought was a pretty big call, Andy. Oh yeah, I, I mean that is admirable, and that's good. That I think that gladdens the hearts of many of us who have got real issues with uh, the way this has been implemented, and the way it's you know sort of being practiced. But um, if he holds true to that for the entire year, Ken, um, more credit to him, mm. I reckon. Yeah, I'm aware of, of another football club that had a meeting with their medical staff and the senior coach prior to the season starting, so the week leading in, because clearly that rule only came in really late. And they worked out how they were going to go through that scenario. Does the coach call to the bench? And they ultimately came to a decision and it became integrity about who they want to be as a football club. And they said they will never have the senior coach or a member of the coaching staff upstairs call down to the bench to get clarity on that decision. Mm. It will only ever come from the okay. medical staff back up to the senior coach. They didn't want to be a part of that. So, Leper, that's all a bit usable, isn't it? I mean, last night we saw Rosie, who clearly had the corky and the thigh was you know, heavily bandaged. And he kicked that goal, the intercept goal, and they were all critical goals last night. And, and, and it was a you know, seismic bit of play in the context of the match. Chad Corns went straight out to him. And you can imagine what the message would have been, but, would have been, but it would have been you know, full of praise and good on you. And isn't that the stuff that builds a bit of character and proves to a, play, a player like Connor Rosie that you can push through a bit of stuff, mate, and still be 
a really valuable contributor to you know what was a really significant win. Yeah, and, and Hutto gave me a little bit of stick last night because I was mentioning that you know there is a bit of a tough factor in footy and you've got to overcome lots of things to be a great mm. team and playing with injuries as a player. But we know a lot of those boys are quite flashy, quite brilliant, quite fast, finish well. But to win grand finals, you've got to be gritty. And I thought it was a really gritty performance by Port. And it's one thing I'll... If you could put one label on them, I don't don't think I would have called them gritty in the past. I still would have mm. called them tough on the inside and and flashy on the outside, but gritty. But I thought it was a really gritty win. So I reckon Cannon walk away really happy with that. Is there also something within that leprin from your experiences about a young man knowing that they can push through that, opposed to sit on the bench, we'll ice it up, we'll take really good care of you, come back next week about actually. Just go out and learn a little bit about your own body. Yeah, it is, and it's pushing the boundaries. And as you know, Del, whether it's a pre-season training session where you've got a running session where you have to push the boundaries or it's in-season where you've got to play with a bit of an injury to push the boundaries to know how far you can go, they all judge it. They all add to your character at the end of the day, and it's just another character win test, I think, for Port. Sam, we like that, don't we, Sam? We're storytellers. I mean, the two blokes you're sitting alongside of the players, the, the, the likes of us who like to write the stories and tell the stories. Don't we like the player who stays on the ground? And don't we like the teams? If Ken, if this is an ethos that Ken Hinckley has kind of um, you know, established within the framework of the medical sub, that we're not going to take you off for minor injuries. Even if you know, we're late in a game and we could do with a bit, bit of extra run. It, that, doesn't that add to what Port Adelaide is? No, 100%. And one of the great chapters, fast-forwarding to the last game of the year, the grand final, is the injuries that come out in the aftermath or maybe in the aftermath most of the time, unless you're playing for the Brisbane Lions and, and Acker's playing with you, they come out before the game. But most of the time, in the aftermath, you know, the players got the fractured rib <laughs> during the game. And, and during the game. So, you know, courage builds, as you say, it's a, it lays a great foundation for a club. And the intangible things that, that Lepper's probably mentioning there, the, the gritty roll-up-the-sleeves nature that are required to win the games where it's all all on the line, not in round four, but obviously in the, when it counts most at the end of the season. Mm. Hey, Andy, there's one player I, I want to raise I'm puzzled by this, and there's no guarantees, of course, just because you are a, a first-round draft pick or the first player picked for for a club. But Riley Collier-Dawkins is a, a situation that fascinates me that he just still can't crack in to what is, mind you, a very, very strong side. But first pick in 2018, he's now had 11 players uh, go past him for, for a debut since he was drafted a couple of years ago. And Will Martin and Ryan Mansell, the latest two of those. But he signed a, a new two-year contract only in October. So he's in for the for the, for the the foreseeable future at Richmond there, but he still can't quite crack in for a game. And look, I know Leper thinks I'm going to pin him on this, but it's I'm, I'm just puzzled by it, Leper, and, and where he sits perhaps in, in inside the four walls of Punt Road. I love the way coming after Richmond games and Sam uses me for Richmond clickbait all the time. This is fantastic. This will be a headline tomorrow. Here we go again. Word it, word it very carefully. To see carefully. how well he did it. That's just beautiful. Is it the hyphen? Is it the hyphen? It's, well, we did say Richmond last year. The three players that played the least amount of games had the three hyphens. Coleman Jones, Eglin, Missy Smith and Collier Dawkins. So it could be that. It could be the hyphen. Oh, look, I was a bit like you, concerned that, oh, Will Martin, that's another one that's gone past. Mantle played as a halfback, so that's different again. But Will Martin, yep. a name that probably hasn't been on the outside, probably think Riley's next and Will's sort of gone past him. So that you could potentially ask the question on that one there. But, uh, yeah, so in a way you would be concerned. But listening to Adam Kingsley last night, they wanted someone that could spread a little bit more. He felt that Riley's inside work was elite, but they wanted someone to get a bit more to contest to contest. So... Maybe that's just the feedback that Riley's getting and it's not as uh, as dark as we think. Well, I'll, I'll give you another name. and A man that I knew a little bit as a junior was Patrick Naish. 
we've seen him debut going back mm. last year or the year before. He's played a handful of games. And once again, in a team that is really difficult to break into. He got mentioned last night in the post-match from Dimmer. Where's he at? I'm not, I'm not there, Nick. <laughs> no, no. Long term. Long term. He's, he's, uh, he'll go to Carlton next year. He'll sort of two-year extension. He'll be, then he'll go to Sydney Swans yeah, for I'm writing this down here. Slow down, slow down. <laughs> no, but Patrick's the opposite. So he's very outside. Probably has to work on his inside game as a player, but I've got no idea where he's at as in selection at this point in time. Okay. Okay, we've got to get to a break uh, here on Crunch Time. There's a heap to come. Stephen Hawking, uh, the game footy ops manager, not too far away from joining us. Take a breath, Lapper. <laughs> what about rants? <laughs> Welcome back to the show. Huge day of footy here right across the AFL Nation, SEN Airwaves. Uh, great to have your company, Andy Ma, Justin Lempich, Nick Del Santo, and Sam Edmund. Back in the studio, I'm down here in Ballarat for what does shape as a really, really interesting game of footy between... The Western Bulldogs and the Brisbane Lions. Steve Hocking, the AFL Footy Ops Manager, up there in Brisbane for the AFLW prelims, which are also running today. Melbourne v Adelaide, Brisbane v Collingwood. We'll get to him very, very shortly. Um, I don't know whether any of you fellas had it in mind to ask Stephen Hocking about the um, clear, the all clear given to the Tom Hickey call on Thursday night or not, but um, it was given. Were you any of you? kind of surprised what was your reaction to the AFL's ticking off of that uh, of that decision two part answer for me mm. first of all Andy no I wasn't shocked that the AFL ticked it off now I think and following it a little bit on social media which is a little bit dangerous at times but I think we're getting mixed up all the conversations getting mixed up about the rule that has changed two or three years ago about the ruckman Tom Hickey grabbing it out of the ruck and I did have a little chuckle to myself on Thursday night where there'd been the same similar thing happened I think it was in the third quarter and the Essendon players were appealing, saying, the Ruckman grabbed it out of the Ruck, that's his prior, to which the umpire had to turn around and say, yeah. sorry, guys, that rule was yeah. three years ago, which, was. I, which but, I enjoy. But so, it's obviously the three steps he's taken. That's, I think, let's just clarify. So the, the taking of the ball out of the Ruck is not his prior. It was the steps he took afterwards, which I think he had every Correct. opportunity to get rid of the football. Labor, he got away with one, surely. Well, it's funny how we changed the rules and we changed them again. This rule come in, if you remember, because it was, I think it was, it's almost you can call it the Sean Grigg rule, yep. because Richmond were playing an undersized Ruck and the Ruckman had to tap it out. So like, well, what's... You know, we'll just sort of put an extra non-baller and then they said, well, if you can grab it out, that'll stop you pay- playing undersized Ruckman. So yep. that's how it came in. And <laughs> now it's going claiming to the, that? Now it's going to, well, Sean Greig probably will. And now it's going to the next level where the Ruckman feel like can grab it and run the length of the field and they know they won't get holding the ball. Yeah. So we've got to find that happy medium. And uh, are you shocked, Andy? I'll go to you first. You, uh, was, what, what do you mate, make of it? I, well, I thought it was an incorrect decision. So, And we learnt from the week before that they were prepared to um, front foot it and say, yeah, no, we got that one wrong. Now, now I'm... The reason it's a, the reason it, it, it's a reasonable discussion point, you know, 48 hours later is it's going to happen again. I mean, th- that that act is not an uncommon act, mm. the Tom Hickey action. So, uh, what happens if the next time we see that an umpire calls it incorrect disposal holding the ball? Does that umpire cop a bait because according to the AFL's rulings, he's got it wrong? Because I think most of us were of the view that Hickey should have been pinged. Mm. So that's where I just want to know, as a fan and a lover of the game, I want to know, I want to get clarity because I want to know, okay, well, that's what it is. Having said that, we understand that you know there is interpretation and a lot of the rules are interpretive and there's grey in the game. So and, and, again, most of us don't mind a bit of that. So I'm having a bit each way here, but... 
I don't think we're any clearer as to knowing in that particular circumstance what the Ruckman is allowed to get away with. And Andy, do the coaches need to perhaps get a little bit more creative about how they d- answer these questions? For Ben Rutten to say, I didn't see it. Nah. 36 oh, seconds left is the coach and he hasn't seen it. It's hard to take that seriously, isn't it? Well, and the- you know what? You know what, Sam? He's, what's he doing? If he didn't well, see what it. What are you yeah. looking at, mate? Of yeah. course. You know, Chris Scott did the same on. thing a week before with the Blixarves oh, yes. tackling the, the goal. I'm sorry, but if they answer it, they're paying over 10 green. Why can't you just say there's a, a, 100 umpiring decisions in a game where they've got a difficult job but didn't decide the contest? Look, they, because the I didn't see it brigade is growing by the weekend. <laughs> it's a plague. Let's, let's start, let, let's start <laughs> collecting these answers of I didn't see it when it is the That's coach's like, responsibility to see everything that it's happens. like Bart Simpson. I didn't Have do you, it. Have you three? We'll get to. We'll cut in um, in the conversation as soon as Steve Hocking um, is on the line. But have you three now? And whoever wants to go first, go first. But have you now got Sydney a legitimate contender, or, or do you need to see a bit more yet? No, I do. I love their game style and the way they play. I still think they've got a, a couple more hurdles to jump though, when teams start to sort of work out that uncontested mark style, which Essendon did to a little extent last night. And Essendon are a good team without being a great team, but when they play one of the top teams that really tighten the screws um, defensively against them, that's the next challenge for them if you're talking about being a a top four team. Yeah, I'm with Lepper. I'm not quite sure if they're in the premiership conversation just yet, as crazy as that sounds, and off the back of beating the Tigers last week at the MCG. So please take that into consideration. But I still think at the end of a massive season, young group coming through, I just don't know if it comes down to prelim weekend, grand final day, whether they're getting the chocolates. And I think innately too, respect's hard-earned but easily lost. So Sydney are in that hard-earned. Mm. You know, you're going to have to please us a lot to make us go, yep, yeah, we, we respect you now. So four games probably isn't enough, even though they're doing, yeah, they're doing really well. But by saying so, that, what, what more could well, they possibly do true, to this yeah. point? Let me let me butt in. Uh, we'll get back to this a bit later on, but the AFL footy ops manager who's up in Brisbane looking forward to one of the two AFLW prelims that are uh, going to be decided today. Steve Hocking's been good enough to join us on the show here on Crunch Time. Steve, thanks for your time, mate. Appreciate you joining us. Thanks, Andy. Thanks for having me on. You're you're a Ballarat, are you? You got got the puffer jacket on. <laughs> oh, I, I have. We've just had a break in the weather, though, Steve, down here at the moment. So the 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 um, the clarity of vision is now extended to about six hundred metres. So we're going okay. Oh, we're just excellent. in between. We're just what well, just just to just to twist the knife a bit more. What's the weather like up uh, up there in Brisbane? Oh, it's heading towards twenty nine up here. So oh. as, as Justin would know, it's, it's it's blue sky everywhere here. Yeah, well, rub it in. yeah, no, you are rubbing it in. Hey, two games into round four, um, you know, you're the most interested person, um, I reckon, in Australian football um, to, to keep a check on how the game's going. So two games into the fourth round, give us your health check on, on what we're seeing and the way that the game is, is being played. Andy, uh, look, I, I think what I'm seeing uh, currently is just a better balance between attack and defence. And that was really what we set out to do as, as we worked through. Like, we watched a lot of football last year, and Justin will remember this. I, I was uh, in the hub at uh, Royal Pines with Justin, and we, we had the odd chat here and there about football. And, and it's, you know, we, we spent a lot of time watching um, you know, night-after-night games. And I, I think you know, when you get to the end of last year and you're making the decisions that we have, the adjustments to the game, um, we wanted to really... Our overarching aim was to try and just um, deliver a better balance between attack and defence, and we're certainly seeing that in the early rounds. It's only a small sample size um, at the moment. I you know, certainly yep. acknowledge that, but 
Um, it, it is. It, it, there's definitely a bit more space in the game, and we're certainly seeing players take advantage of that. And I think we'll see more of that um, as the players recognise that they've got that uh, that space to work in. Hey, Steve. Um, thanks. Firstly, thanks for telling the world that I was the man that brought in the stand rule, which is really nice to change the game. Is that, you know, I'm, I'm, sure, I'm sure that's what you. I'm sure that's what you meant. One thing I am intrigued about, and you have given a little insight into some of the work you've done behind the scenes. I think in the in the past, some coaches or players or even some fans might think that, that some of the rules that have come in have been a bit of trial and error, just bring them in and see how they go. But this rule proves there's been a bit of work put in the background. Can you just give someone a bit of an insight into some of the work that's done before you implement this rule? Yeah, thanks, Justin. It's um, yeah, you, you certainly got to see that you know as, as we sort of worked through last year. I think firstly we we, we need to as a footy ops team identify. Um, you know what adjustments you're going to make, and then and then from there, uh, you know clearly that then needs to be approved by key stakeholders, our executive team, right through to the commission, and and then off the back of that, there's an implementation um, phase as well. And so one of the things that we needed to do was, if we all think back to last year, the language used by umpires was hold, and that was so the player wouldn't step over the mark. And so what we had to do was identify that that actually needed to change that particular word. And that's how we came up with stand. We also then implemented the, um, mm. the hand signal to make it as easy as possible for the players. And all of that was 100,000 people at the MCG Grand Final Day. We were thinking that far ahead as far as the level of noise and so forth. And so what was the communication system going to be like? And then on top of that, we then um, we, we, we deployed umpires, you know, 500 plus times to pre-season training. And you know, what the players have done, I think at times we tend to get a bit lost on with this. The players are such professionals. They've actually brought this to life along with the umpires. So the, the, the two key um, elements to this, you know, as you're saying, Justin, there's one thing to, to identify it. There's then the design and creation of it, implementation, and then you've actually got to bring it to life. And, and at that point, um, you know, my footy ops team is handing it over to umpires and players and they've adjusted their behaviour accordingly. And it, I think it's a credit to them. That, I, I personally think that's where the credit um, lies from my point of view. Hock, for your time in the game and being in the role you are now for the last couple of years, but going back to when you're in football or club land, is this the quickest positive outcome from a rule change that you've yeah. seen in your time? It feels like, and I'm sure you're hearing the conversation, it feels like we've got exactly or you've got exactly what you want within three weeks of footy. Yeah, look, it's, it's, I, I think, um, Nick, what, what we do is we look at the three weeks and go, you know, it, it seems like it's just happened. I, I think what I've just shared there is that's months and months of work. You know, it, it's right through. I sort of go right back to 2018 when I first came into the role. And one, one of the really strong pressures um, from the industry was, you know, let's, let's actually work out quickly what needs to happen. Now, hopefully what people are starting to see is we're quite methodical in our approach um, to, to how we, we make decisions. And, and so what we've done over a period of time is we've worked through how all of these um, adjustments work together. And whilst we're, you know, we're here today talking about the standard mark, it, it works alongside the 666. It also mm-hmm. works alongside the, you know, <coughs> setting the game back up, you know, back out to 20 20 minutes it, it works alongside the kick-in rule it also works alongside the rotations all of them have been put together and knitted together to actually 
make a difference in the game and create that better balance between attack and defence. It's not, in my my personal view, it's not just one rule. I think all of them are working together mm. um, in, in, in harmony. And, and I've talked a lot in the past, Nick, about the game finding a rhythm. And, and, and I think that's what is really important. Like I... You know, when I when I go and sit in the stands, and and as a fan, you're sitting there, and the game looks really good, and I'm absolutely invested in it, like it was last night at Adelaide Oval. I'm not sure the reason why the game is just good, mm. and I, I think that's really you know that that's exciting for the fans. So you you, put, you take into account all of those rule changes over multiple years. You speak about rhythm. We're 29 games into this season. Is the product that we're seeing right now? everything that you thought it would be and therefore you're satisfied with what we're watching? Oh, look, I, I'm, I'm, I'm never one to be satisfied, to be quite honest, Nick. But I, I think um, you know, where, where we've got to currently, and you know, again, I, I come back to you know, where it's a small sample size and, and what we'll see is you know, one, one of the pleasing things I'm already seeing, you know, back to I think it was Andy's, Andy's point, about you know what's my critique of the game currently? We're seeing a lot of different game styles. Mm. We're seeing a range of different innovation and strategy that's in the game. We're seeing players that are able to take the game on in different parts of the game. You know whether it be you know in front of goal, whether it be back through the middle of the ground, whether it be across half back, and and you know they're punching that ball through um, on that 45 into the corridor. We're seeing a lot of variation, and I think Justin will understand this. We're going to see more of that over the, over the next month. And that's the exciting thing. Steve, it's Sam Edmund here. Thanks for your time this afternoon. I just wanted to ask you about the man on the mark rule and what you've made of some of the debate around whether it should be policed differently for players taking set shots, who some argue makes for you know farcical viewing at times when a player on the mark is obviously rooted to the spot and the, the player taking the set shot can sort of play on an arc around. Is there any scope in your mind to review that aspect of the rule? Uh, not, not at this stage, Sam. And, and you know what we do, and, and I've been quite clear on this. You know, we, we monitor things right across um, the season. Uh, you know that's that's part of being a custodian in the game. We, we need to you know, make sure that we're on top of uh, how um, all of these adjustments, uh, you know, strategy starts to come in and, and kick in around it. We meet every Monday and work through that, and, and certainly, um, you know, we'll, we'll continue to to collect data across the season if there needs to be any consideration around that, we'll, we'll work with our stakeholders to understand that and, and umpires will be at the forefront of it. Steve, can I, guy, yeah, sorry, sorry Leopard, can I just butt in one, just one on that before I hand it back to you, folks? Um, Steve, we saw one the other night with um, a young uh, Nick Blakey having a set shot after the siren mm. and the umpire set him yeah. up to allow him for his natural arc. So at the point of the kick, he was going to be kicking over the man on the mark. That all seemed to make a bit of sense. But then Blakey seemed to cross the line by the time he kicked the footy, and the kick was allowed to go on. Did you look at that one? And and have you got? Do you just, does that type of incident just need to be tweaked a little bit? Yeah. So Andy, it's a great question and good discussion, guys. On on this, we were very clear that uh, yeah, that, that was a, a clear implementation um, from Jacob Mollison, uh, the umpire at the time. He did a fantastic job, and and yep. what it has. Um, done for us, Andy. Is it's given us a great coaching tool um, for for the umpires. You know, they meet every Tuesday out at uh, Vic Uni, and and that one will become a a standard for us. And and you know, quite clearly, um, you know, once the siren's gone, we we don't want the player um, 
uh, arcing out out um, too far. So yeah, that's that's become a really good coaching tool for for the arms moving forward. Now, Steve, the the rules and obviously the game at the moment is clearly passing the pub test and the the eye test, and everyone's loving the game. But is there a certain statistical outcome that you were looking for at the start? So let, let's use the stand rule for an example and. You know, was it D50 transition numbers? Was it scoring itself? And even with the 666, now that it's sort of three years in, is this, is there a, was there a number three years ago that you thought we want to hit, like at the moment it was a 20-point average a game. It's sort of closer to 24 now. Was it, well, we really wanted to get to 30? Was there, was there a number in the background that you wanted to use to as a figure? No, not not really, Justin. I, I think um, yeah, that's certainly where people uh, like to go, and I you know understand that and, and acknowledge that. With the 666, when it was first brought in, it was brought in um, and the sort of first, probably minute and a half of, of, of that, it, it flushed out the game quite nicely. And then very quickly, the longer you didn't score, um, it, the more it disappeared, that influence over the game. And so what we've done over that time since 2019 is we've continued to scope how we actually build more opportunity of that right through the quarter and you know quite clearly what we're seeing now is um you know, when when scoring does tick up the, the way it has in the in the first sort of you know three and a bit rounds um six 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 really kicks in um you know strongly and and it, it does you know it gives it gives us regular opportunities to reset reset the ground so look it, it comes back I'll, I'll just keep coming back to a better balance between attack and defense i'm quite genuine around that I think that's the most important thing I know people want to talk about scoring but for me you know for my team it's it's really about that space in the game to to see um you know younger players I think one of the things that I'm seeing is I'm seeing younger players in their first year be able to come in and have an impact immediately because there's a bit more space in the game we're seeing sort of middle range players have that um opportunity as well and then then you're seeing someone like a Tex Walker who you know, a lot of people sort of thought, how much longer does he have? And, and now we're talking about him having even longer in the game. And I, I think that's the exciting thing. That's sort of where I go to from a from a playing perspective. I, I sort of look at you know, how it's impacting the players and, and the difference it's making to how they're playing the game. Because after all, they are the game. Will it go and a step? Yes. Yeah. Will it go a step further, Steve, with the density rule that's sort of we're seeing now in the VFL? And there's mixed sort of rule, uh, opinions on whether you know, will they be pulled back and um, the time it takes to do that? Will will it go to that, you think, going forward in the AFL? Look, it's, it's, yeah, it's something that, um, it's, it's a good discussion. It's something that we we're, uh, have obviously put in at, um, at VFL um, level and, and we're going to trial that right through uh, their season. Um, I, was, I was out at uh, the hangar, out at um, Essendon there last night watching um, Essendon uh, VFL team and, and also Frankston uh, play under lights there and had a, had a good look at it um, and you know, before I ducked home and then, and then flicked the TV on and, and watched last night's game but it was uh, it, it was actually it was we, we'd, we'd obviously made some adjustments um, to to it uh, over the last week or so and you know watching it live last night it's made a difference everything that we do needs to be able to settle into the game and not be nuclear in its in its application in my view it, it needs to you know go back to the rhythm piece it needs to be able to just find its natural level in the game where players actually embrace it and that's what I saw last night with the adjustments we've made to it it was um, it was officiated really well and and um, 
yeah, the game the game was certainly open with those players uh, sitting back inside the 50R. So we'll just sit and monitor it for the year. We've got studies going on around that. That'll help inform decision-making moving forward. Steve, I'm sure you're aware of some of the conversation about certain players and style of players in the game maybe being cut out and the inside midfield has been spoken about with less stoppages. How aware and how much are you monitoring making sure this game still gives opportunity to everybody? I've just heard you touch on more space and more run, which brings in certain players. Tex Walker's probably an outcome of all of that. But is there also a tipping point where you, you need a little bit of everything so everybody can still play this game at, the, at this level? Yeah, definitely, Nick. I, I think that's really important, that piece. It's, a, it's an important um, thing that we don't overlook. And, and you know, if, if we go back and have a look at what we've done with SSP, if you have a look at the mid-season um, draft, like people are already talking, you know, I'll go down to the Gold Coast and Carlton game tonight at Metricon Stadium, and, and um, you know, people are, are talking about the mid-season draft of Gold Coast. They need, they need a ruckman. I, I think over recent years, I think the game's really opened up to all shapes, all sizes, um, you know, there's diverse talent coming through and I, I'm very, very mindful that that needs to continue. I think, you know, in answer to your question, coaches will be thinking about players differently. And, and you know, whilst there's been that inside midfielder, uh, there's still a place for them in the game. They may, they may be deployed to a different part of the game. You know, that, that, that is all up now for consideration. I think it's quite exciting for us. As, um, as football followers and fans um, to, to watch how all that unfolds. But we've got a close eye. The game should be available to everybody that wants to play. Steve, we'll let you go in a moment. I've got a couple of AFLW questions for you. One, just Damien Hardwick put on the agenda something that's been kind of floated here and there about loaning players mid-season to, to other clubs and, you know, there'd be sort of mechanisms around all of that if it ever came to be. Is that something that sits comfortably with you, just just the kind of the, the bare-bones notion of that? Uh, look, I, I think there's some challenges around it, Andy, but there, there's certainly, um, you know, first and foremost, just the, the player, um, you know, we, we need to consider the impact on, on the player in that scenario. And, you know, we would, we would just work with the AFLPA on that. Yep. Um, I, I think the I think the the overarching thing that Damien was, was saying, and, and it's absolutely spot on, and it just ties into the question that's just been asked. Um, we, we want we want players, you know, um, men and women, to be able to play AFL and AFLW, and and so where you can, where there mm. are mechanisms that can be considered, I, I think that's that's the duty that we have to to consider that and and you know make sure we don't rush it in, understand all the potential impacts around it. Um, and just consider it and then you know, plug it in if, if, there's, if there is strong support for it. Tens and maybe hundreds of thousands of us around Australia looking forward to the two prelims, Adelaide first, taking on Melbourne at Adelaide Oval. You're up at the Gabba. You'll watch the Brisbane Lions take on Collingwood thereafter. We've asked you about the AFL uh, and the, the way the game's evolving there. To your eye, how big a leap has there been from maybe three or four years ago in the standard of footy being played in the AFLW to what we're likely to see on display in these two prelims today? I think it's significant, Andy. Uh, you, you, know, you know that better than um, anybody. You spend a lot of time out on the ground, don't you? Thank you, Stephen. Too much. I've had a couple of memos here. Yeah, I've read them. I've, I've read the memos. <laughs> I, 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 did, I did notice that you adjusted. We really appreciate that. But, um, <laughs> Thank you, Stephen. We also... We, 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 we also appreciate, too, your involvement. It's, it's super. Like, seriously, I, I know the work that you and 
Bob do. So, you know, we're very appreciative of all that you bring to AFLW. But, but getting back to your question, it's, um, it, it, it really has improved significantly. Um, it's, it's a credit to everybody involved. You know, they're, they're part-time um, and, you know, they, they, they juggle a lot of commitments. And I, I just think it's, uh, yeah, it's, it, it's been such a successful season. And the most pleasing thing is, you know, we didn't get it completed in 2020 and we've been so committed and, and let's not forget, you know, from I think it was the 1st of January this year, my, my team were plugged straight back into COVID operation um, yep. you know, after dismounting from 2020. And that was all related to GWS. And so it's a credit to everybody that's had to bounce around at different stages and, and, and navigate all the COVID um, aspects of it, even right to this week. Like, you know, we, we will... Collingwood will come out of this if they do move forward. Uh, well, and if they don't, and myself included, we'll all show up at the Holden Centre tomorrow night and, and um, you know, have COVID tests. So it's still relevant in the community and um, everybody's still working through that. But uh, we're going to see two excellent prelim finals today. And I'm, I'm very excited to be up here. Yeah, I bet. And last one, we know this league's going to expand. Have you got a gut feel as to where it best sits, where it best fits in, in the calendar? Um, look, I think uh, where, where it is as far as it being summer, um, a summer sport, um, it seems to work really well. And, yep. and so you know, we've quite clearly got a bit more work to do around all of that. And, and you know, it's something that we will. We'll, um, we'll, we'll certainly uh, do the work required to continue to grow it because it's, it's, it's really, really important. I mean, the participation... Um, in, in women's football is, is so significant, so high. Um, you know, there's a lot of people that are enjoying enjoying the uh, the competition and we just need to keep building on that. So credit to everybody. Andy, the other, the other one that I, I just wanted to uh, uh, acknowledge too, just this weekend, is community football's back this weekend for the first time. Yeah, spot on. And, yep. and, 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 you know, right through Victoria where there was no, no community football at all last right through 2020. Yep. So just a credit to you know, all the volunteers and the players. Pretty much good luck and go well. Mate, thanks for joining us. You've got a busy day ahead of you and we appreciate your time. Thank you all. Thanks, Andy. Good on you. Steve Hocking, the AFL Footy Ops boss, joining us on the show. You're listening to Crunch Time. There's plenty more to come. The Crunch not too far away. Don't go anywhere. Great to have you with us this Saturday afternoon, wherever you might be tuning in to Crunch Time. But a massive show already. Ollie Wines and Steve Hocking joining us on the show as we've worked our way through much of what took place last night. Touched on a little bit on Thursday. We've still got the Crunch to dive into for Bet With Joel, Australia's number one Tipping service, gamble responsibly, 1-800-858-858. Andy Marr, Justin Lempich, Nick Del Santo and Sam Edmund. Boys, there's a load to get through. I'll bowl them up and you knock them over and let's see how many we get through in the crunch. Uh, do you, do, do the, any of you uh, like anything about the notion of loaning players mid-season? If the architecture around it can be built so that it is you know, reasonable and sensible. Do, do you like the concept of it? I uh, I like it. I prefer the trade period before the loan period, if I had a choice, a mid-season or even between now and mid-season. Um, there's some names you could throw, throw up already that could go to other clubs that might want them. So mm. um, I'd rather that before a loan. But 
anything to make the player exposed to AFL footy, I'm all for it. I'm probably a little bit too futuristic in my thinking, some would say, but um, that would be my preference. Not not initially for me, Andy. Uh, no. I, I think there's bits and pieces we take out of other games around the world, often Amer- uh, American sports or European soccer, and I know that is part of the loan system in, in their culture and in their sports particularly. Not for me. I, I think our game has a lot of good things that are unique to us and... I'm with Lip. I think there's some other stepping stones we could get to before you loan players and then ask for them back when they start getting a kick. Andy, I push a pen. So the more player movement, the better, mate. Just an <laughs> open slather. Although if there is a loan, I like what they do in the in European soccer or in the Premier League where a European football where the loaned player can't then return to play against, you know, haunt his old mob, so to speak. I do like that chat. Well, that, we saw it. We've, we've seen I mean, Harry Grant's injured at the moment, but it's a bit closer to home now. The NRL are doing it, aren't they? Mm. Melbourne, Harry Grant's returned to the Melbourne Storm and um, he's gone he's gone offshore elsewhere and and developed his trade and he comes back a more complete player than the one they sent out. A, a lot of people have said, and I'll, I'll, we'll, we'll keep moving through, but a lot of people have said that it's, you know, it, it's a cover for poor list management. Uh, Lepe, you're, you're the one that's been closer to this than any of us. I put to you that it's bad luck. With the, 30, with the tightness of list nowadays, you can't cover all bases. You can feel like you've got most of them covered, I think, you know, in a perfect world, but you can't cover them all. And, and you look at what's happened to the Gold Coast Suns. They're going to, they are bereft now, and it's through no fault of their own. They've got eight knee injuries on their list, and all of their ruck options now are unavailable for selection. Injuries are taking too big a toll on the chances of teams within season. You're 100% right. And the more opportunity we do create for players to move, I think, and we should have probably asked Steve Hocking these questions, but I'd love the trade period to go all the whole of the preseason, oh, yeah, yeah, re- realistically, yeah, like, and have it. Because, you know, you don't know when these injuries are going to arise. Right up until round one. Oh, well, even or past beyond. that. Yep. Even reckon, past that. Yeah. Like, even up till round 10. Because um, we don't. what we don't know now is that's when the injuries start to pile up. And then all of a sudden, you might have had a preseason trade. I want to get Nick Del Seno second pick. And you're thinking, oh, it's a bit much. But if you have a couple of injuries, it's like, okay, I'll give you that second pick now. You know, mm. and that's that could change your attitude towards a particular mm. trade. And we're all human. List managers are human. We're giving them a... Two-week window to make a decision. That's pretty hard on them to go, well, I've got to make this decision now because I can't do anything until the next window, which is 12 months later. So it's really restrictive for them to only have a small window to make these moves. Sam, you go first on this one. Um, we've seen what's come out around seven and eight. Um, and there's been a lot of commentary around the fact that there's no Thursday yes. night footy. Your thoughts? Oh, I had it down to ask Steve Hawking. We ran out of time. I was yeah, really disappointed. I was yeah. really disappointed. I, I've, I'm like many of us. I've fallen in love with Thursday night football, and I was surprised that it hasn't got a look in up until round eight, which is all we've been given at the moment. Now, their explanation for that is the pressures that surround giving the players the right amount of breaks. But surely we've seen, and last year is Exhibit A, that, okay, it doesn't have to be every week, but surely a group of players can handle a five-day break as the AFL citing it, their, their concern, every now and then. Not every week, but just occasionally, because I would have thought the benefits of Thursday night far outweigh the negative. Oh, I'm you split talk, on this. I, I, yeah. I'm sitting on the fence, Andy, because I love working the Thursday night games. I really enjoy it as a spectacle or sitting at home and watching it. But you know what I also miss about Thursday night? Oh, sorry, when there is a Thursday night game? I actually miss the build-up of waiting till Friday that we dissect for Monday and Tuesday. You get excited Wednesday, Thursday, and then Friday night's football's there. I just get concerned, and this is sort of playing devil's advocate a little bit, that it just all blends into one, that all of a sudden you finish on a Sunday night and before you sort of finish working through whether you're happy or not as a supporter, 
Thursday night football's on you again. So I don't know whether the, we miss the cycle of the excitement that you've got to wait at least five days until you get to see your team go around again. And that's probably the one knock on cricket, isn't it? Sometimes you're wondering when's the next series finish and the next one starting, yeah. and they're all just blurring mm. together because it's just always played. So The, the but, punters like it, though, don't they? They love uh, it. The, the, oh, TV, yeah. the TV numbers are strong. If you're, if you're Huge. Seven or Fox, I mean, you're pretty keen to have a game on Thursday night, I think. You'd be pushing pretty hard. Yeah, it'd be interesting to get their views on the long-term thoughts around Thursday night, given that it's gone well and truly past Monday. Monday night. I think we can consign that no, for the time gone. being to the recycling. Are we expecting yeah. Thursday nights to be here somewhere during the year yes. again? They've always done that. Yes. So there will be another block of yep. three to five Thursday nighters. Yes. Okay. Well, I would have thought. I would have thought. Hey, come back, Andy. Yeah, I want to ask back. you and, and and the the rest the rest of you guys as well. What has actually happened to the three week hamstring? Uh, rest in peace, oh, the yeah, standard no. hamstring, because they're all. Six, five, six, seven, eight weekers now. Jai Coldwell, long term. I've wrote a few of them down. James Stewart, Luke Hayden Shuey. Young, Matt DeBoer, Luke Shuey, James Frawley was a big one. Jared Polek's been a big one. It's all about the high grade hammy tear now. What's going on out there? We've gone back to the medical discussion, haven't we? <laughs> yeah. We've gone <laughs> back that to doctor. doctor. Please, please assess this doctor. It's like, it's like injuries do come and go, don't they? Like OP was a big thing. Oh, and yeah. Syndesmosis well, at the moment. As you know, Sam, if you flick a tendon, there's no blood supply going through to the area, so it takes a little longer. And if it needs to be stitched, you're probably looking at 13 or 14. <laughs> <laughs> nice work. Settle, settle. You've convinced me. But it's a good point. It is a good point, Sam. It, it, I mean, not only the length of the hamstrings, but we do seem to be – are we – and I've done no data on this, and you know what they say about people that have no data to back up. But the gut feel is that we are getting hard hit by injury. We're only, you know, just into the early stages of round four, and – you look at what's happening up at Gold Coast, you know, Rory's... It, it does feel like there's a lot of it around. just wonder whether the game's demanding something different again. So off the back of a shortened pre-season, off the back of extending, going back to the original length of game, whether this is a compounding effect of all those right. little moments. You know, and I don't know this for a fact. I'm a little bit like you, Andy, but maybe what was going to be a traditional hamstring of two to three is now a snap tendon, unfortunately, that it is that much more severe. Luke Shuey's having... Oh, he's had surgery. Yep. Yeah, I don't know. I just wonder whether the game and therefore the pre-season needs to be altered for players to be able to get through what the game's demanding. I think fitness guys will say that you need a routine to get used to. So the game's a little longer. The stand rule makes the game a little bit more dynamic. And there will be, unfortunately, until the players get used to it, a bit of a change. I had lunch with Jake Lever and they, they do a different routine to Richmond where they train three days before and have a day off. And he was like, I can't believe Richmond do it two days before. Yeah. I guess I couldn't even mentally think about that. But... And I just said, when you get a routine, it doesn't really matter. So the players just probably aren't into the routine of the new system yet, and their bodies will probably take a year to adapt. And the other one is, I mean, those contact injuries, unfortunately, it's it's football. I mean, the soft soft tissues you love to think that you can manage, and definitely the repeat soft tissues like a Luke Shuey, which is almost, almost as bad as it could get. You should never redo an injury like that. The other ones are almost just bad luck. I mean, it's footy and you're going to have contact injuries along the way. Hey, so this is oh, – sorry, oh, go on. Andy, you, I was just going to say this quickly because Steve Hawking mentioned the umpire Jacob Mollison, which was perhaps intentional earlier for the job that he did in the Sydney Essendon game. I just want to, I've just jotted this down because fans never cease to amaze me and the passion that, uh, that exists within the average fan. And I had to have a bit of sympathy for Jacob Mollison after this game because – he has come under fire from some yes. irate Bombers supporters uh, <laughs> yes. online to the point where his Wikipedia page was hacked not once, not twice, but a good three or four times, if you don't mind. The occupation got it going over, the general bio as well, who he may or may not barrack for. So I tell you what, the passion for supporters, you've got to love it.
Yes. So so let me keep going with your proposition, Sam, that the boys just dealt with then. Does 75 feel like the right number? Does it, well, does it feel like a fair number in terms of rotations? We're, we're early and all the rest of it, but does it feel about right? I think it is. I, I think it's uh, 75 is a good number. Again, I think the players will just get used to it. If you put the number down to 50, there'll be an adjustment period and maybe some injuries out of that. And then the coaches and the players will work out how to play the game. So any major adjustment tends to have these sort of things happen. I would have hated it as, as a individual play, playing the 75. game. I would have hated it knowing that that wasn't my style of running. But as Hawk touched on before, this game needs to cater for everybody. In a lot of ways... The AFL have changed rules to make sure it still is a beautiful game for why, all those that want to play. You have, why I, would you have hated it? To put it in real basic terms, I was a fartlek runner. I, I could run and give everything I had for eight minutes. Needed to come off and have ninety seconds rest. I could do that over and over yeah. again. But yeah, I but couldn't Del, run it. I couldn't jog out of sight on a dark night, Andy. No, but Dell, that's only because that's the that's under the under the. Um, laissez-faire nature of unlimited um, interchange, <laughs> coaches could do that. True. In, in, well, in the olden days when you had – which we're trying to get back a bit of what we used to have, you wouldn't be expected to redline it the way that you do, did for that eight, eight or nine minutes. I would self-nominate myself to send in the forward pocket Andy, and not move for a couple of minutes Andy, if that they, was the case. The coaches can't be that bothered by it because Jake Stringer makes a hot start to the game on Thursday I night, know. kicks a couple of snags and comes off a couple of minutes so, into the game. So, Sam, that was the one that was a red flag for me. It was like, oh, hang on. If, the, if, if, if I'm Steve Hockey and I'm seeing that still happening, 75 can become 50 very, very quickly if you want to keep up that sort of nonsense. And that's just I a mean, player run rotation, that one. I mean, yeah. And that would have been him kicking a goal. Oh, it's a 15-minute mark. I'm supposed to come off now. And he's looked at the yep. clock and then gone and just toddled yep. off. Yep. Yep. Um, the Bailey Smith stuff. Dermot, Dermot was really strong on this, you know, earlier in the week um, about the taunting nature of it all and the fact that he wasn't comfortable with it all. Uh, Luke Beveridge responded yesterday, said no issues. It was just cut and thrust. Uh, he's competitive and, you know, he was responding to things that were taking place inside the two games that the incidents took place. Is it a bad look or you just, or you like so happy with it? Storm teacup, Andy, yep. for mine. Yep. Play on. Play on, yep. yeah. Every, I mean, every club has a smaller player that go out of their way to pick on someone much bigger than them, often a defender that's just had a mark taken on them. Bit, every club's got one. Bit of theatre, Nick. Yeah. Don't I, cross the line. It's just a bit of theatre. You'd love to it? whack them every now I mean, and then. But the concern every, is the image that it, and the message it sends to the, to the lower you know what? grades. I mean, we play a Kids, competitive juniors. No, I'm not. No, I don't mind it. What I'm saying is, I actually don't mind it. I mean, the step over going back a couple of weeks was Alan Iverson against the yeah. Lakers, going back to the early '90s sort of behaviour. Yeah. Isn't it part of something? Isn't it part of the the theatre of our I, game? I agree with you. I agree with you. But my only asterisk is. Kids start doing it in under nines, then I've probably got a bit of a problem. And it's what they see. The cameras are so good now. I mean, it would have happened a lot when I played, and thank God the cameras went around. Imagine what, imagine what you. But, but what would we ever like? You can't penalise it. What is no, technically no, Bailey as long Smith as they don't cross the line. They yeah, don't aim into disrepute. Fine, if you want to, if you yep. want to do it, if you want to do it, if you want to do something, you can't penalise them. But if the AFL deem it to be a bad look, and I'm not suggesting that I want this to happen, but that's what they can do if they if they do deem it to be a bad look. And they do want it to creep into sort of the lower leagues and, you know, 
14 and 15 year old kids around the country doing the same thing. Mm. Hey Andy, just some information regarding the Thursday night fixtures from a well-placed source here at SEN, uh, Joel Brooks. Uh, nine Thursday night games during the home and away season. That's what the league, uh, Joel's reminded me, said at the start of the year. First five rounds, then a block of four weeks during the bye rounds. And so it's likely there'll be a Thursday night final as well. So that'll be 10 in total for the season. But, you know, we hear from the league, you know, crowds could dwindle in the colder weather, the five-day breaks that we touched on earlier. So they're all looking for those reasons for not having any more than that. But the fans want them. Yeah, I think they do. I think it sits pretty comfortably in the um, in the weekly ebb and flow of most lives. Thursday night, Friday night footy, I think um, I think we all do. Hey, we all like it. The one, one, can I just, before we get to a break, one thing that Steve Hocking was talking about, and he mentioned this over and over a couple of times, that he was, the, the, the way that the altered game, the game we're seeing now, is bringing all types of players into the game. We're seeing key defenders and we're seeing defenders become part of the conversation again. We're all having a chat about the big forwards. We're seeing you know, Ruckman become part. That, that, the box that, that what he, the, the, the point that he was making, the box is ticked, isn't it, in terms of all types of players are now part of the footy conversation. And I'm not sure we've been saying that for the last four or five years. No, it's good. And, and you're right. Whenever you want to watch something, any sort of entertainment, you want to be surprised and unsure of the outcome, don't you? It's like a movie if you watch it a hundred times or the first time. And footy was getting like that. It's the same old movie we've watched a hundred times. Whereas at the moment, are we going to get the fast, competitive game? Are we going to get the slow, methodical game? Are we going to get the long down the line game? Um, it, it's it's really exciting that all these boxes are getting ticked. And the beauty of that is it, it doesn't have to be a copycat league. Now, a lot of clubs have tried to follow in the footsteps of Richmond with their forward half pressure. What I love about the first three and a little bit rounds is bring your style, Sydney Swans. Yeah. Bring your yep. style, Geelong or whoever it may be, and let's see who wins. Let's see whose yep. tactics are actually going to get them the job done on that particular day because – I'm agreeing with you, Lep, but previously it was always very similar because of the style of the game anyway. That's a great point, Del. Uh, that was the crunch uh, for Bet with Joel. Transparent results, driven sports tips. Gamble responsibly, 1-800-858-858, Samuel. And indeed, that's all powered by the new Navarro at Werribee as well and Western and Footscray Nissan. Great to have your company on Crunch Time. Who needs a rever? For Harley Heaven, the Harley Davidson Pan America is coming to Harley Heaven in Melbourne, Dandenong and Ringwood. Visit harleyheaven.com.au for details. Right, are you three? In terms of a team needing a rev up, all eyes t- tend to turn to one side uh, with the four matches we've got to look forward to on this Saturday afternoon and evening. St Kilda. How mm. much pressure are they under? How much pressure are they under and... Who want Dell? Do you want to give yes. him a little bit of a rev up? Yeah, I'd like to give him a little rev up. I would have liked to have gone down there on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday, and had a couple of words to a few people. Oh, um, but you know what the problem is today's game is they could actually perform really well, Andy, yeah. and it could actually you know speak about rebounding and show something and came come with some intensity, and they could still lose. You know, yep, maybe a little enough. bit like a little bit like the Tigers last night. They did nothing wrong in regards to their effort, like Essendon on Thursday night. Like Essendon on Thursday Who night. Would you have had a word to? Where do I get to start? Like, I don't have any keys to the building, but, you know, you've got to speak to a couple of players. From all reports, in all seriousness, they've had some real honest, I think their terminology is honest, confrontational chats get throughout dirty. the week. Get dirty. Get yeah, dirty. Holding people accountable. So I'd love to see a response in regards to their effort, and that's a pretty broad term, but let's just use that for the moment. Effort. Chasing, pressuring, taking some responsibility and pride when you've got the football in your hands. 
But by saying all that, I still don't think they get the job done, even if they do the majority of those things well today, Lepper. Yeah, I think systematically they are getting a little bit too in front of the footy would be the um, the modern-day term of just making sure when the ball's kicked long down the line, there might be five, six, seven in front of the ball, whereas last year they're maybe a little bit more evenly balanced around the contest, and then after they won it, they, they get forward. Very good by yes. you, because I think that was some of the feedback is that right? Taken on board during wow. the week that too many oh. people are trying to get on the end of it rather than win it initially at the source. Well, there you go. So you were in the match committee. Right? I wasn't quite there, but I... <laughs> <laughs> Anything Arsenal else you can smoke out of him here? Yeah, what yeah, else yeah, was yeah, said yeah, in there? That's good. You've been hooking me all day, Sam. Get into this guy. <laughs> <laughs> He's not just quotable about Richmond. Don't worry about that. Very good. Harley Heaven rev up for Harley Heaven, the home of Harley Davidson. Um, does anybody around the table think that they can knock West Coast off? Oh, I do. Yeah. But just because of the venue. First and foremost, I mean, they've got a long run of games at this venue. We know they traditionally play well there. What Leper says, you obviously take it face value. They win it at the source and we know they can trouble West Coast, maybe through the midfield where West Coast are a little bit light on. There's a guy by the name of Nick Natanu who's in some pretty reasonable form, oh, but yeah. Rowan Marshall's back, which is which is handy for the Saints. So whether they can trouble them on the outside, you just don't want West Coast to get into that kick mark game. Can I just gonna... jump in on one thing? And I'm not here to defend necessarily any player, but I just want to speak about Brad Hill and some of the comments that have been made about him in regards to his effort or lack thereof. I can promise you no one works harder almost in the league than Brad Hill. So to say, and I know there was a couple of clips where he was walking and all those things, you've got to look at his GPS and his numbers. They are off the charts. So if that means that he has to walk for a period of time or he Mm. does have the odd occasion where he can't go again, no one covers the ground better than Brad Hill. His issue at the moment is actually finding the football and hitting a target, but he's not based on his work rate. There is no one that moves like he does. I always find that, don't you? Whenever a team's losing, it's easier to pick one particular person, isn't it, and focus in on them. And he's not playing great footy. We accept that. But it is not because he's going to the ground and not running 18 Ks. It's not because of lack of effort. And also, he's also always been an outsider. So don't go complaining now that he's not tackling all the time like Dan Butler is. Yeah, Yeah, I'm with you. I'm with you. Anyone tipping St Kilda? No. Nope. No. Uh, What about down here today? Uh, Lewis Young's in. So there's a late change of the Western Bulldogs. Um, anyone, anyone on the lines far, far, far from home down here? I'm sticking with the dogs, but I actually think there's two things with dogs for me. They haven't been tested yet. That's the only way. If Brisbane can bring their tackle intensity to that handball game they've got, is one, and the other one is a centre square bounce. Dogs' game, like they're, they're 19 shots to six from centre square bounce. They get it in, and then just, and, and then you, they just turn it over if they if the opposition win it back. They just that's their game. So if they can get that centre square bounce in check, it gives them a chance. I'm with the dogs today, and the one area that they could get exploited is through the dogs' defence. You look at this forward line that's moving very well, and I guess in some ways, Lepper still learning about positioning and who's the option at the right time. But Gardner goes down last week for the Dogs, already a depleted back line, and probably the only area of question for the Dogs. So I think if they are to get the job done, the Lions, it's a dominant forward half. And I think wet and windy days, we've got to take our hats off. We've got to forget what happened in the past because any team can almost beat anyone when it's sort of windy, wet and funny conditions. You know, it's a bit of luck plays in it as well. How windy is it down there, Andy? No, expecting... it's blow- no yeah, it's a bit blowy. It's, it's favouring one end over the other. The goalpost is shaking around on the breeze. So, And we're going to get some showers on the way through. It's sunny skies at the moment. We're getting some shadows on the ground, but uh, it's not too bad right now. Hey, don't forget, give us a ring on the open line, one three hundred seven three six seven three six for Southern. Phone amazing new mobile sim deals from Southern Phone. We'll take a whole lot of your calls in the lead up to the opening bounce here at Mars. Hey, boys, it's been a whole lot of fun. Good on you. Have a great day. Good on you, Andy. This has been crunch time. Thanks to Werribee Western and Footscray Nissan dealerships. Of course, stocking the all new Nissan Navara, built tough. 
Sometimes needing new tyres can catch us by surprise. That's why tyre power gives you the power of zip pay and zip money. You can get what you need now, get back on the road safely and pay for it later. Terms and conditions apply. So visit tyrepower.com.au or call 13 91.